It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is the Jets-Bills postgame report, the final postgame report of the 2019 season because this was the finale, a finale that the Jets won 13-6. to Really ugly, just like last week, but just like last week, they get the victory. So for the postgame report, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, explain something to me. If you are a fan of the Buffalo Bills and you know that the Bills have the number five seed no matter what and they're essentially playing the equivalent of a preseason game where, granted, Josh Allen played for a little bit but for the most part didn't play and the vast majority of their starters did not play, why would you waste a Sunday afternoon sitting in the rain in Buffalo? I I have no answer for you, and this is not just uh, limited to the Bills because I had the same thought watching uh, the, the Patriots game, and I had the, uh, the same thought watching the Chiefs game and the Chiefs fans celebrating, and I know the Chiefs got uh, a first-round bye now because of this game. They won it and got a first-round bye, and I still I cannot imagine going to that game. I, I can't possibly imagine it. Um, this, you know, sometimes the way the, the schedule shakes out and the standings shake out, week 17, you get some really awesome games, some huge playoff implication games. This year, we did not get a lot of those. We, we've had very few games with any playoff implications. And I can't imagine. I mean, you just have to love tailgating. That, that's my answer <laughs> for you. And and it, it, we you asked the question about Buffalo specifically, so yeah, that's definitely my answer. They wanted to tailgate and break some tables. Um, I I know they've been trying to clamp down on the tailgating, but knowing those uh, Buffalo fans, they they found a way. The only thing I'll say in defense of the Patriot fans and the Chiefs fans is, as you said. There was at least something on the line there. The Patriots were playing for home field. They did not get it because the Dolphins got that huge upset. And what a job, by the way, by Brian Flores in his first year with the Miami Dolphins. A 5-11 and record and pulling off that upset in Foxborough the last week when the Dolphins had nothing to play for and the Patriots had everything to play for. For him to be able to take that roster that was more or less built to tank and do what he did with it was fantastic. I would vote for him for Coach of the Year. I don't think he's going to get it, but I would vote for him for Coach of the Year. So at least there was something on the line there, though. If you're a Patriots fan or if you're a Chiefs fan, there was nothing on the line here. If you were a Jets fan who decided to make the trip, I'm not sure why you would have done that. 
Or if you were a Bills fan, considering the circumstances, I'm not sure why you would have sat in the rain, especially for this, because I'll give Ray Lucas credit for this one. The exact thought that I had when somebody asked me what I thought of this game is exactly what he said on SNY after the game when he was asked about it. He said, let's be honest, this game was boring, and it was. It was very boring. I, I got back home just in time to sit down in front of the game and watch it, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i pay very close attention, watch it very closely, especially as nothing too um, important to pay attention to elsewhere. And I'm sitting there watching it, and, like, I'm staring at the screen, but, like, I can feel my brain checking out. Like, I, I could feel it happening. And, like, I'm like, oh, I got to pay attention now. But I'm still looking right at the screen. It's just – it was really hard to – keep your focus on it because again they were playing a bunch of backups and it was combined the two teams didn't even score 20 points i mean i i love football man but this this was not fun to watch before we even get into the game i know i've talked about this before but jay feely bless his heart loved him on the jets good kicker Worst color commentator I've ever heard in my entire life. He is so bad. He's wrong about literally everything. It's almost like some random dude from Twitter is feeding him lines that he's saying over the air because I should have kept a list of all the factual inaccuracies that he was spewing and all the just ridiculous attempted points he was trying to make that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, well, here, come, come over to my side where we watch games on mute. <laughs> um, unless, unless Tony Romo was calling a game uh, I also like listening to Collinsworth Because I like Collinsworth Because he, he will point out and focus stuff On offensive line play That like very few other people do There's a lot to dislike about Collinsworth But that part is worth it For me So I'll listen to him I'll listen to Romo um, I'll listen to Ian Eagle There's, there's, there's a few people that I, I will listen to But for the most part when I'm watching an NFL game, I have it on mute, and I have it on mute because of the announcers. So let's go through this, Chris. Sam Darnold played not a great game. This was not one of his better games, and he ended on a down note because even though the Jets won the last two weeks, he didn't really play all that well. I thought he played fairly poorly in Pittsburgh. I thought he played fairly poorly today in Buffalo against backups. It's not that he was embarrassingly bad or anything. He had a couple of mistakes one of those interceptions was definitely a really big mistake. The other one I thought you could have argued pass interference in terms of the defensive back was mugging Jamison Crowder and had his back turned to the ball. So that's a whole other story. There was a play that would have been a really great throw. He was running and had to throw across his body, but Daniel Brown was wide open in the end zone, and if he would have just thrown it up a little bit, it would have been an easy touchdown instead. Brown had a little bit of a tough time with it. He probably should have caught it, but it wasn't that well thrown of a pass. And there were other decisions throughout the course of the game that were a problem here. But overall, he ended this season on a down note. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't believe in Sam Darnold going into 2020, because I think if nothing else, he's certainly shown that he's a capable starting quarterback. But is he going to take 
that leap the way that we saw Carson Wentz take it in his second year and to a lesser extent the way that we saw Jared Goff take it in his third year and you could have several other examples or is he going to be somebody like Jameis Winston who's going to make a lot of dazzling plays and show you a lot of good but then show you a fair amount of bad that is going to negate a lot of that good that's what we have to find out going forward and this is coming from somebody by the way that really likes Jameis Winston and hasn't given up on him yet I know a lot of other people have he throws a lot of interceptions but there's just so much talent there that I think if the mistakes could somehow be reined in, then he can still be a pretty good NFL starting quarterback. Darnold right now is somewhere in between where Winston is and then where some of the top 10-ish quarterbacks are in terms of being able to make some really dazzling plays but still making some bad mistakes. Not a ton of back-breaking mistakes like the ones Winston has made. However, still too many mistakes. There are some things that Gase was supposed to clean up that he didn't. I've talked about this a lot, and I will continue to pound this home. Situational awareness is a huge thing with Sam Darnold and being able to take the easy layups. We talked about the Daniel Brown play, but there have been several situations where you'll see somebody wide open on a shallow route, and instead he gets a little case of cowboyitis and throws deep into triple coverage. There's nothing wrong with taking bold risks, but sometimes you just have to know when to take the easy first down and so those are things that Darnold's gonna have to work on you would have hoped that Adam Gase quarterback guru would have fixed that by now but as we end the season here there's still quite a bit of work to do with Sam Darnold going into year number three yeah look I'm gonna I'm gonna write about this more in the in, within you know the, the this week I'm sure we'll talk about it more um but this idea that the Jets are ending the season on a strong note and these wins are great and blah, 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 nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. It's all, it's, it's all ridiculous and it's nonsense. Cause remember at the end of last year, the season was over and after it was clear that they weren't making the playoffs this year, we you go into the debate of tank or not tank. And then the, the real, how, wherever you fall on whether you should tank or not, the one thing that everyone uh, could agree with is hey we can be fine with wins or losses we just want to see Sam Darnold play well that's the one thing everybody wanted to fall back on well over these last bunch of weeks handful of weeks uh Sam Darnold has not played great he hasn't and some games today he didn't and last week he didn't he didn't play good uh you know uh, he wasn't terrible but he wasn't great he wasn't he wasn't very good um he had that one three-game stretch this year where he it was like, all right, that looks like it's it. Um, but outside of that, I, there's, I I still have full belief in Sam Darnold. What I, where I am a little concerned is whether Darnold will be good enough to overcome mm-hmm. Adam Gase and the way that Gase coaches, coaches him and uses him. I don't know that he, he'll be that good to be able to overcome all of that. But – he didn't have uh, the end to the season that I would have expected or held out for, um, hoping for, especially, again, he played a bunch of backups today in, in Buffalo. Um, that's the most important thing, beating uh, Bill's backups and beating the Steelers bouncing back and forth between Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph means nothing. That gets you nothing going into next year. That does nothing for you. You, uh, what you need to see is Sam Darnold playing better and looking great, and that we did not get that. So, 
again, I don't think that it's anything to really pin on Darnold and say, oh, he can't be it. But that it doesn't give me much confidence for the Gase-Darnold marriage going through, forward here. And they still have way too many holes on this roster for me to just say, hey, they're just going to uh, they'll be able to just focus on offensive line and get that straight next year, especially with not knowing what's going to happen with Robbie and then how many receivers they're going to need to add. There's just I can't sit here and watch the last the way the season has ended and feel confident and hopeful for the Jets' future. I just can't do it. Gase far too often didn't make the most of Darnold's strengths and downplay his weaknesses. We saw this a lot. The Cincinnati game was one glaring example where he kept rolling Darnold out to Carlos Dunlap's side. And then there were a lot of times throughout the season where he wasn't rolling Darnold out at all, which makes no sense because that's his biggest strength is being able to throw it on the run. In fact, I would say he's a better quarterback altogether when the play breaks down, kind of along the lines of the way that Ben Roethlisberger is better with chaos. And I was very perplexed by some of the things that Adam Gase did again today. And we're going to get to a quote that blew my mind in the postgame presser a little bit later. But for instance, the Buffalo Bills had a wide receiver in at defensive back on that last drive where the Jets were able to get that field goal to essentially ice the game. Gase called several running plays, didn't even throw the ball in the guy's direction. I have no idea how that happens. You have Sam Ficken attempting a long field goal in the rain instead of going for it on a fourth and one. There was that bizarre third and two call where he had Le'Veon Bell run the Wildcat instead of putting the ball in Sam Darnold's hands in a third and short situation. I can't tell you how many games I've sat here and just not understood what Adam Gase was doing past the scripted plays at the beginning of the game. And again, the least of my worries when he became the head coach was his offense because I thought that there were some good things that were done in Miami if you went and looked at tape of the offense. But there were a lot of times where he would get very, very stubborn with the way that he called plays and the way he would get away from things that were working and steer into things that weren't working. And he did a lot of that today, and he did a lot of that all season. And we're going to get into this a lot more in the offseason, but it's very troubling because this is a guy who spent three seasons as a head coach, got fired, and then immediately got another gig. And this is why people were nervous about the fact that he got that gig right away because he would sit there and say, I did nothing wrong. I got another job, probably making more money than he was in Miami. And so why do I need to change anything? My system is my system and players will bend to it or they're just going to be out of here or I'll put them in the doghouse or whatever it is. And that's more or less what we've seen. And so I think that going into 2020, that's something a lot of people have to be concerned about because if he didn't change his ways yet, especially now with everybody celebrating the 7-9 and nine season after six of their last eight being wins, and we'll break that whole thing down later in the week and over the next couple of weeks because I have a lot of issues with the people that are super excited about the fact that the Jets won six of their last eight, and not because I'm upset the Jets won games. It's because people are missing the bigger picture, and like I said, we'll get into that more later in the week. But this is very much an area where Jets fans have a right to be concerned because of the fact that, Chris, as you like to say, it's a matter of choosing to look at results over process. And the process with Adam Gase so much this season, not only with the stuff that we were worried about coming in, which was how he would manage everything overall as the head football man, but to a lesser extent, his offense, the process with that looked very, very flawed 
for almost the entire season. He's shown no willingness to bend or change. And like you said, all it comes back to is exactly what you brought up before. It makes you think that it's going to mean that Sam Darnold is going to have to overcome Adam Gase instead of being helped by Adam Gase. That even if Le'Veon Bell stays, which we'll talk about more later in the week as well, he's going to have to overcome Adam Gase rather than being helped by Adam Gase. And that's not what you want in a guy who's supposedly an offensive guru and a quarterback whisperer. No, and again, it's frustrating because... that three-game winning streak they had earlier in the season where he did change things after Darnold had to talk to him, and then he was like, oh, we won three games, cool, let's go back to my old way of doing stuff. And it's like, it, that makes no sense. Um, but it, like today, Darnold, Darnold threw for 199 total yards against uh, a defensive backups for 5.5 yards per attempt. Those are not good numbers against a, a, a defense full of backups. And people are going to continue to talk about six of their last eight and forget about the competition of who they played, who we do going into this, uh, into the season that the back half of the schedule was going to be pretty easy. And then it got even easier by having to play against Duck Hodges and a Bills team that were, wasn't playing their starters. Forget about that part for a second because they won these games. The offense looked really bad in these games that they won. It's the defense is the reason why they won these games. Who's responsible for the defense? Greg Williams and not Adam Gase. As we all know, Adam Gase doesn't have anything to do with the defense. He just lets Greg Williams do his thing. And Adam Gase and the Jets offense is in the very bottom of the league. Greg Williams and his defense is up there towards the top, the seventh, whatever. Um, the the winning, if you're going to give anybody credit for this six uh, out of their last eight games against bad teams, all that credit has to go to Greg Williams. Not a single shred of that credit should go to Adam Gase because the offense has continued to look bad during that time. If they If the offense was lighting it up, I could see people saying that, but they haven't been. They've been bad, and they've won close and ugly games because the defense has played great and carried them. That is why. So you give Greg Williams the credit, and any doubt or concerns anyone had about Gase should be just as strong as ever, if not stronger. And Williams' defense delivered again today. And to be fair, it was against backups, with the exception of early on when Josh Allen was in the game. But they went out there, they forced turnovers, they were able to force a whole bunch of punts, they controlled the field for the most part, and so they were the opposite of the offense. The offense was carried by the defense once again. And so this is another trend that we're going to talk about later in the week, but Greg Williams was the one that had the majority of the injuries that actually mattered. And like I said, we'll break down what that means in more detail later in the week. And yet, going into this game, and I haven't seen the final numbers yet, they were seventh in the league in overall defense. I believe they were ranked second in run defense and 15th in pass defense, which considering who he had injured and all the different players that somehow popped up as starters at certain points was pretty good. And you saw during this game, Chris, there was a point where Greg Williams was running down the field, pumping his fist and yelling, and he was patting Le'Veon Bell in the head. At a certain point, it almost felt like a lot of the players, even guys on the offense, are starting to look to Greg as the real leader. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, how can you not? Again, the offensive guru that was and slash genius that was brought in to help Sam Darnold has given a very poor, led a very poor offensive effort all year long, and the defense with the had way more stacked against them between the injuries, between just having a ton of money tied up and players who were bad. Um, that defense has carried them, and that defense is the reason why they won games and have the record that they do have. Um, you can't have take an honest look at this season and really look at the way that these these games have played out and honestly tell me that Adam Gase is, uh, did some great job to get them to seven and nine. Yeah, it, it, you you cannot say that with a straight face. The only thing you can do is look at Greg Williams in the defense and be impressed with what he's been able to do. Um, I just I, I don't see how this isn't clear and obvious to every single person who has watched them this year. Uh, you know, a lot of times you you see, and this happens where people only watch one or two games of a team and they make their entire snap judgment on that team off of them. But if you've watched this Jets team, I don't know how you can have any confidence in Adam Gase, how you can think he deserves any credit and how Greg Williams doesn't deserve it all. Um, And I'm thinking this, and I promise you players in the locker room are thinking this. um, It's baffling to me. It's really, really baffling to me how it's not – painful lobbyists to everybody. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
Let's go around the horn here. I'm going to throw out some general observations from the game, and then I'll get your thoughts on it, Chris. Brandon Shell, bye-bye. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out because I am really looking forward to being able to refer to him as an ex-member of the New York Jets. Got absolutely torched again today by Trent Murphy. He's out of here. I shouldn't jinx it by saying this, but it feels like it couldn't possibly get worse than what he's given the Jets. Jamison Crowder, who had a stretch earlier in the season where he was struggling quite a bit, had a really nice day today, made some really good catches, and actually bailed Sam Darnold out a couple of times. Tough day for Robbie Anderson. He had a bad drop. This may have been his last game as a Jet. That remains to be seen, and we're going to talk more about that during the offseason because clearly that's going to be one of the big storylines, whether or not Robbie Anderson comes back to this team. Le'Veon Bell had some really nice runs despite that weird wildcat fiasco. He's another one whose future with the Jets is in limbo. Earlier this week, he talked about how he signed here for four years because he wants to be here for four years. But as we know, a lot of whispers that Le'Veon Bell could be dealt in the offseason. We're going to have to wait and see on that one. Over on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know what Bless Austin did to Greg Williams, but apparently he's been banished to Siberia because we didn't see him again today. I have to think that there was something more than just that touchdown where he got beat last week. I'm hoping that more details will emerge over the next couple of days and weeks, but it's just kind of bizarre how he faded off of the radar. Jamal Adams played a really nice game again. Big surprise. He was the best player on the team by leaps and bounds this year. Jordan Jenkins gets a sack, so he has a new career high with eight. Another free agent whose fate with this team is in limbo. I would like to see him come back because I think he's a good edge setter, but they really do need an edge number one, whether that's through the draft, through a trade, through a free agent signing. Jordan Jenkins is a perfect number two edge rusher. Shouldn't be the number one, but had a nice season this year again. And eight sacks is a pretty solid number for a guy like Jordan Jenkins, who's also very good against the run. A couple of plays where the Jets kind of got screwed. One of them was the strip sack by Terrell Basham that was recovered by Quinn and Williams. It got overturned on replay, but when you watched it, it sure looked like the strip sack and fumble should have held up. Overall, it just felt like neither team wanted to score much in this game, and it was going to be a matter of who got the one touchdown that this game felt destined to produce. That one touchdown came from the Jets, and so they ended up winning this game. But Buffalo playing backups, you can't really be that surprised. And last note here, Chris, got to tell you, man, I love Brant Boyer, tremendous special teams coach, but he's going to have to help Adam Gase and Joe Douglas identify another kicker for this team because Sam Ficken had a very, very tough year and a really bad game in this one. We were actually joking about this on Twitter that Sam Ficken got the memo that Jets fans were looking for draft position because he was shanking kicks here. Missed the 34-yarder among others, which is the equivalent of an extra point more or less because an extra point is a 33-yarder. So... I thought there were some highs, there were more lows. Overall, Sam Darnold wasn't all that great. And as far as the coaching goes, it was a familiar story. Greg Williams and his defense seemed to do what they needed to do. Adam Gase's offense was unable to do much once the scripted plays were out the window and more or less rode the defense's strength to victory. So that's more or less what I saw. Is that what you saw too, Chris? You got anything else to throw in there? Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. You you hit it. Uh, what I will add is really just kind of like sprinkles on top of what you said is, you know, the, there's this – the Jets were able to finish right about where they everybody had them despite all the injuries, which, again, we, 
most of the injuries were players who weren't good anyway. Some of them were actually holding the team back, like Jermaine Johnson. There was only a, a couple, of, like two, three players that actually mattered that they lost to injuries. But even forgetting that for a second, um, yeah, they got to where people thought they were going to be, uh, which is still a losing record and still missing the playoffs again. But this is important here. Because they got here with the offense being much worse than any of us expected and the defense being much better than any of us expected. And again, Adam Gase is an offensive coach. He was hired because he's some offensive genius guru. Um, and the, the offense failed this year. And the defense carried them and was played way better than anyone expected. The offense looked worse. And he was hired because of the offense to turn the offense around. And the offense actually looks worse than it did last year under Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates. Um, that's, that sums up the season. They got to exactly the same middling point we expected them to get but they got here in a roundabout way that should not have happened for the reason that they hired the coach that it's just it doesn't make sense this news justin as we're recording this by the way chris the jets have locked in the number 11 pick first time they've picked outside the top 10 since darren lee in 2016 Thankfully, that worked out well because Darren Lee is still here and he's just been to his fourth Pro Bowl. Either that or they dumped him for pennies on the dollar and he can't even get on the field with the Chiefs and is probably going to get cut in the offseason. We'll get more into what this actually means in terms of who the Jets can pick both in the first round and beyond quite a bit over the next couple of months. It's going to be a huge topic on the show. We're going to have a lot of guests on to really break that down. We'll talk a lot about free agency. But for now, that's the news. The Jets will pick 11th in the NFL draft at the end of April. With that, Chris, let's take a walk inside the locker room, courtesy of our friends at Vivid Seats. If you're looking for an opportunity to go to one of these playoff games for a reasonable price, and there are some that are going to be close by. Philly's really not that far. Neither is Baltimore. Want to go to one of those games and get a really good deal? Download the Vivid Seats mobile app, enter the promo code OVERTIME, and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. And if you don't want to go to those playoff games, that's okay. There might be something else you want to do. Maybe you want to go to a concert. Maybe you want to go to a wrestling match, a boxing match. Maybe you want to go see the team that Chris and I root for in basketball, the Brooklyn Nets. You might want to go to a hockey game. Whatever it is you want to do, you can get yourself a great deal on tickets by downloading the Vivid Seats mobile app, entering the promo code overtime and getting yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase more breaking news chris as we record this not a huge shock but in a move that i think a lot of jets fans will feel envious of the browns have gotten rid of freddie kitchens he has been relieved of his duties as the head coach of that team i'm sure there are much more to come as we get into black monday but freddie kitchens is the first one that is confirmed he is out as head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So now let's actually go inside the locker room as we promised. This is one of my favorite quotes of the season because it is such an Adam Gase quote. He was asked if he was surprised the offense was only able to put together 13 points against the Bills second unit. His answer, not with this weather. It was tough sledding. It was crazy just trying to figure out what to call. A couple of things occur to me here. Number one, you were playing backups. Number two, you knew what the weather forecast was. 
Number three, it really wasn't that bad. It wasn't bucketing rain. It wasn't that windy. It was 43 degrees. It's not something I would choose to sit in as a fan in week 17 in a meaningless game. But as far as being professional football players, there are way worse conditions than that. It wasn't a blizzard or a hurricane. Chris, I'm going to let you talk about this, and I also want you to talk about what you and I talked about before we started recording in terms of what you heard about what was going on at practice earlier this week, which also made my head spin in the context of what Adam Gase just talked about, not being prepared for the weather conditions. Yeah, well, I, w- I wasn't at practice this week, but I, I was did get texts saying you know that they were live streaming the practice on Thursday, and they were inside. And everyone, people were wondering, they're playing in Buffalo. The weather's not supposed to be great. Why are they playing inside? And my immediate reaction was it's not a big deal because they didn't practice on Wednesday on Christmas Day. Um, and typically on Wednesdays, a lot of coaches like to practice inside no matter what because they want to have a clean practice. They That's when they do the bulk of their game plan installing. So they want to have a clean practice. And so – I didn't have a reaction at first when I heard about this on Thursday. Um, But now to sit here and then say, oh, the weather was bad. And again, now I don't know about you, but that quote, that sounds like an excuse to me. (laughs) Uh, For somebody who likes to say how he's not going to use this and that as excuses, he sure likes to break out a lot of excuses. Um, It wasn't that bad. I've seen way worse weather where offenses were able to look better than that. it was, They were playing, like you said, they were playing against backups. Um, it, it, the weather wasn't that bad. It, yeah, it didn't look great to be out there and sit out there, but this is football, man. You're going to talk about a little bit of rain when it's a little bit cold. Is, is That's a problem now. If, if you're coaching a team and your team can't overcome this light weather there's bigger problems than the damn weather let me tell like how can that possibly be a reason how can you possibly lean on that um and yeah again they they knew what the weather was going to be it's not like the forecast was calling for 70 degrees and sunny and then it just oh my god how did this happen i can't believe it's cold and rainy in buffalo at the end of december wow like yeah, of course. You're not playing in a dome in Florida. You're playing in Buffalo at the end of December. Um, you, you, they should be grateful that the weather was, wasn't was way worse than it is. Because, I mean, the last when I went up to Buffalo for that Week 17 game and Todd Bowles' first year, the weather was probably worse that day. They, they often scored a lot more points than two. Um, I just – I can't understand how this – this is something that he could trot out and just be like, oh, no, it's fine that we only scored 13 points against the Bills because it was rainy out. It was a little bit rainy out. That, that What is that? That Again, for a guy who loves to say he's not going to use something as an excuse, he sure likes to lean on them excuses a lot. It's ironic you said that because here's another fun Gase quote from the post-game presser. What's the point? Nobody cares if you get injured or not. You just got to figure out a way to win the game. That's what Adam Gase said in response to whether or not he's going to be using injuries as an excuse for the Jets next season. Until, of course, he does use them as an excuse for the Jets' performance next season. Yeah, absolutely. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Here's Sam Darnold on Adam Gase. Adam's a great dude. He's the right guy for the job. Never any doubt in our minds. Sam Darnold on Adam Gase. We'll get into this more over the next couple of weeks and months, but I have to wonder who it is he's referring to when he says our. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've talked about this before. Sam Darnold is not going to say anything negative about anyone ever. That's It's not in his DNA. It's not who he is. Um and he's certainly not going to sit here and do anything but praise and support uh, Adam Gase. Uh, I don't. I can't speak to how much he believes it or doesn't believe it. But I, if he did believe Adam Gase was, he could theoretically think exactly what I think of Adam Gase. He still won't say it. Um, now it's also possible that Sam Darnold does truly feel this way about about Adam Gase. I'm not sure, and um, you know. Sam Darnold hasn't been around a lot of great coaching in his in his life. Um, I, I don't know how much about his, uh, you know, about his high school coach. Uh, but college, yeah, last year, yeah, this year. Yeah. So, what? He's twenty two years old. Um, I, I'm not sure that he can really tell a difference that much, anyway. So. And even again, even if he did, he wouldn't say a single bad thing about him. So if you're going to sit here and hang your hat on Sam Darnold is still talking up Adam Gase, cool, enjoy. But remember, the Jets players didn't want Rex Ryan fired either. The Jets players didn't want Todd Bowles fired last year either. Um, Asking players what they think of their coach is, is really pointless because, A, players can be wrong a lot. And B, you can't really know unless a player actually comes out and just trashes a guy. That you know, that's his true feelings. Um, but you can't really know it when they're complimenting him. I'm gonna make a pizza analogy here, Chris, because if there's anything that you and I share a love of, it's pizza and certainly pizza analogies. Sam Darnold played for a coach in high school who thought he was a linebacker. He played for Clay Helton at USC, who was one of the worst coaches USC ever had. He played for Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates. I think their track record speaks for itself. And now Adam Gase doesn't exactly have the strongest frame of reference. And the analogy I'll use is if you grew up in Florida or you grew up in Texas and you've never been to New York and you've never tried New York pizza or just for you, Chris, New Jersey pizza, either way. You're not going to know what you're missing out on. And so I'm sure that in the context of what he knows, that Adam Gase is just fine. But then again, Sam Darnold has never been coached by an upper echelon coach, so he doesn't really know what he's missing out on. Yeah, he doesn't know. And, uh, you know, he's I'm sure he's watched plenty of Patriots games in his life, but I don't know how much he's studied the way that Bill Belichick coaches and the way that Bill Belichick makes adjustments. And I don't know that he's paid very close attention to what Greg Roman has done this year in Baltimore, how he has completely changed the offense to fit what Lamar Jackson does well. Um, And also uh, Darnold is spending a lot of time with Gase and he's probably buying all the stuff that Gase is telling him. 
when it's clear and obvious to most of us out here that Adam Gase is not maximizing Darnold's strengths and abilities. Uh, he's not doing getting the most out of him. Um, I don't know if uh, Darnold, how aware he is of that. Um, that there's also part of D- Darnold is uber confident in himself. So he probably doesn't think he needs to be coached in different ways to do this. Uh, to make things easier on him, he should probably he probably thinks that it didn't, should doesn't matter who the coach is. He should be so good that he's going to be good no matter what. Um, there's there's very few people in this world that can do that um, ever. Like almost every co- uh, great player has been helped out by uh, something along the line, whether it's their teammates that surround him or the coaching that puts them in the best positions. Um, but Sam Darnold has not gotten that this year. And, uh, I don't care. I don't care what he has to say about it. He has not gotten it. He cannot convince me of that. Jamal Adams says that even though the team hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time, he feels for them and he believes that the Jets are headed in the right direction. These are comments that were echoed by Le'Veon Bell. He said the Jets started getting the ship sailing in the right direction. He also lamented the fact that he was disappointed in himself for not breaking a thousand yards in his first season with the Jets. As we said before, Chris, this could very well be his only season with the Jets. Time will tell on that. And as far as Jamal Adams goes, I'm sure that he's happy that they won the last couple of games and that they won six of their last eight, but I'm sure that he is also frustrated and just saying what he feels like he needs to say as the season draws to a close. Yeah, I mean, again, there's uh, sometimes we put way too much stock on what players say or don't say. Um, players generally are trying to give you the answer that they think people want to hear. Um, and the last win of the season, they, they're trying to get out of there. Um, these players are going to be ready to scoot out of that locker room super fast tomorrow on clean-out day. Um, but they, they finished the season on a couple wins on a positive note. They're going to take that and enjoy the offseason a little bit more because of it, but I'm not really going to put any stock in anything that they're saying about that. One last Gase quote, by the way, this one on why Le'Veon Bell didn't get a touch in the second half until there was five minutes left in the game. Just kind of how the game was going, we were going with different personnel groups, which is, I guess, a fancy way of saying we didn't really want to use Le'Veon Bell in the second half. <laughs> I, Yeah, I mean, but oh, the, the, this is so frustrating. Every single thing about Le'Veon, the Le'Veon Bell experience here um, excluding him and the way he has handled himself and on and off the field. I'm, I'm absolving Le'Veon Bell from this, but everything else has been just maddening, like rip your hair out maddening, the way that they've used him, the way that they haven't used him in the receiving game, uh, the way that, you know, that one game he missed with the flu, it seemed like Case was actively trying to be like, look what we can do without him. Um it's it's been maddening, absolutely maddening. And you know, I was watching the game, watching him carry, and I was kind of like, "Man, I hope it, I hope he does just watch. Like, I hope he doesn't get hurt. I hope he can just go into the off season and for his own sake, hope he gets traded to somewhere where somebody will use him correctly and with an offensive line that can block for him semi confidently." 
Last quote I wanted to put out there, Chris. I thought this was interesting because we mentioned Robbie Anderson before, and we're going to talk about him a lot over the next couple of weeks. He was asked whether or not he would be willing to give the Jets a hometown discount. His response, you got to talk to my agent about that. I don't think that makes sense. So if the Jets are going to keep Robbie Anderson, they're going to have to pony up. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any kind of hometown discount for gangrene. Yeah, um, let, me, let me just take a moment to agree with Robbie Anderson. Reporters always ask players this question, and that should be the answer every single time. Uh, or either that or, hey, are you, are you going to go to your bosses and, and take less money? Um, no, nobody wants to take less money. Like, and you certainly can't come out here, even if you're willing to take less money, you certainly can't come out here and say, hey, I'll take less money because then you're going to get even less than you were originally thinking. <laughs> and it's the same way, like, remember Rex used to do this and he would talk players up and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that now because now we're going to have to pay them and they're going to hold that, use that against me. So teams can't talk about being willing to overpay players and players should never, ever, ever talk and say, hey, I'm, go- I'm willing to take less money. You should never do that. That's negotiating 101. But I'm still going to crush the Jets if they don't bring Robbie. <laughs> I've talked about this before, and I'll get into this more over the next couple of days and weeks. I think there's a framework here. Devontae Parker provided it in part. Tyrell Williams provided it in part. And we'll talk more about the details of this. But I do think that it would be a wise move for the Jets to bring Robbie Anderson back. But... Will Robbie Anderson be back? Will Brian Poole be back? Will Jordan Jenkins be back? Will the Jets trade Le'Veon Bell? Stay tuned because we're going to find that out over the next couple of months as we get ready for free agency and then, of course, the NFL draft. But for now, the 2019 season is over, at least for the New York Jets. There will be plenty of news coming out even after the season ends. And we've got the playoffs coming, so we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about involving the Jets as we get ready for free agency and the draft. Football is a a 52-week-a-year enterprise, and so we will not take a day off here on Play Like a Jet. Chris, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Glad that we could talk about this final game of the 2019 season between the Jets and the second string Buffalo Bills. For anybody that wants to read your very big deal work, what do you got cooking for them over at JetsInsider.com? Well, uh, obviously tomorrow will be clean out day, so I'll have something up there from uh, from whatever transpires and comes out of that. Um, I will be there for that. So I'll have plenty up from there. Uh, I'm also going to do some articles this week about, um, you know, about this idea that, they're six and eight over the last half of the season. And that for that's some reason to celebrate. Uh, I'm going to really sit here and pick apart uh, Adam Gase's offense and what I think uh, they've gone wrong um, and how much credit should go to Greg Williams instead of Adam Gase for however much credit you want to give him for winning these six games over bad teams. Um, and then we could start to turn our attention to, uh, towards the off season to who to resign and bring back uh, who to get in free agency and who to draft. Um, at some point in the off season, I'm going to go into uh, the tape and really sit down and uh, watch all the tape and break it down and really, you know, do a deep dive into Adam Gase's offense. But I'm going to need a couple, 
<clears throat> I'm going to need a couple weeks break of watching Jets football before I'm ready to go ahead and attack that. So, at, But at some point in the offseason, I will really do a deep dive into this offense and, you know, try to find ways that they can do something better. Um, you know, some some unrealistic ways because I know Adam Gase won't change that much, but I'll, I'm going to try to look at some some more realistic ways that may, maybe Adam Gase would be willing to change. So go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. That's where you can find Michael Nanny's work as well. And Michael is going to join me tomorrow and on Wednesday for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day because we are going to do our year-end awards. We've got some fun categories in there, so you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a two-parter. So you get all the Jets Insider family. You've got Chris today and then two straight days of the great stat wizard Michael Nania. Don't forget you can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. If you haven't given us a five-star review over on iTunes yet, we'd really appreciate if you could do that for us. It doesn't take much time. It doesn't cost any money, but it helps out a lot. So if you could do that, we'd be very grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com.